Part One, Chapter Eight of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part One, Chapter Eight. No one stopped Ursus, nor did any one inquire what he was doing. Such guests as had not fallen under the table no longer retained their places. Therefore the servants, seeing the giant carrying a guest out on his arm, mistook him for a slave in charge of a drunken mistress. Moreover Actia followed him, and her presence removed all suspicion. In this fashion they made their way from the banqueting hall into the adjoining chamber and thence into the gallery that led to Actia's room. Lygia had become so weak that she hung as if dead on the arm of Ursus. But when the cool, fresh morning air blew on her face, she opened her eyes. It was growing brighter and brighter. Walking along the colonnade, they turned to a side portico, leading out not into the courtyard, but into the palace gardens, where the tops of the pines and the cypresses were reddening in the morning light. This section of the building was entirely empty. The echoes of the music and sounds of the revel gradually became indistinct. It seemed to Lygia that she had been carried from hell up into the bright light of God above. There was something, then, besides that repulsive banqueting hall. There were the sky, the morning stars, light and peace. The maiden suddenly burst into tears. Pressing herself against the arm of the giant, she repeated between her sobs, "'Take me home, Ursus, home to the house of Aulus.' "'Let us go,' answered Ursus. They had now reached the small hall belonging to Actia's apartments. Ursus placed Lygia on a marble bench near a fountain, while Actia strove to calm her, and urged her to go to sleep. She assured her that there was no longer any danger, as the drunken guests would sleep till evening. But Lygia could not calm herself for a long time, and pressing both hands against her temples, repeated like a child, "'Let us go home to Aulus.' Ursus was ready to carry out her wish. Although praetorians stood about the gates, still they could not prevent him from passing. The soldiers would not halt outgoing guests. The space before the arch was crowded with litters. Guests were now swarming out. Nobody would detain them. They would pass out with the crowd and go directly home. Anyway, he must not question. What the queen commands must be done. He was there to execute her orders. And Lygia repeated, "'Yes, yes, Ursus, let us go.' But Actia began to reason with them both. True, they could go away, nobody would detain them, but it was forbidden to flee from Caesar's house, and who did so was guilty of insulting the majesty of Caesar. They might go away, but at evening a centurion would carry a sentence of death to Aulus and Pomponia Graecina, and Lygia would be brought back to the palace. Then nothing could save her. Should Aulus and his wife receive her in their house, they would surely be punished." Lygia let fall her hands. There was no other alternative. She must choose between her own ruin or that of Plautius. In going to the banquet she had hoped that Vinicius and Petronius would intercede for her with Caesar, and return her to Pomponia. Now she knew that it was they who had induced Caesar to take her away from the house of Aulus. There was no help. Only a miracle could save her from the abyss, a miracle and the power of God. Actia she cried in despair, didst thou hear what Vinicius said, that Caesar had given me to him, and that he would send slaves this evening to carry me to his house? I heard, said Actia, and dropping her hands to her side, she became silent. The despair which expressed itself in Lygia's words found no echo in her breast. She herself had been Nero's favorite. Her heart, though kindly, was not able to appreciate the shame of such a relation. 
a former slave she had become too much used to the law of slavery besides she still loved nero should he desire to return to her she would stretch out her arms to him and rejoice in her good fortune seeing clearly that lygia must become the mistress of the young and handsome vinitius or expose the family who had reared her to ruin she could not understand how the maiden could hesitate in caesar's house said she thou wilt be no safer than in that of vinitius and it did not occur to her that though her words were true they meant be reconciled with your lot and become the mistress of vinitius lygia who still felt upon her lips his kisses burning with desire and glowing like coals flushed with shame at the very remembrance never she burst out never will i remain here nor in the home of vinitius actia marvelled at her excitement is vinitius so hateful to you she asked tears choked lygia so she could not answer actia drew her to her breast and strove to calm her ursus breathed heavily and clenched his enormous fists loving his queen with a dog-like fidelity he could not bear to see her weeping in his wild lygian heart arose a desire to return to the banqueting hall and to strangle vinitius and if need be caesar himself but he was afraid lest he should sacrifice his mistress thereby nor was he certain in his mind that such an act which seemed to him quite natural was entirely befitting a follower of the crucified lamb actia in the midst of her caresses repeated her question is he so hateful to thee no answered lygia i cannot hate him because i am a christian i know lygia i learned also from the epistles of paul of tarsus that you are forbidden to defile yourselves and to fear death more than sin but tell me does your faith permit you to cause the death of others no how then canst thou bring caesar's vengeance on the house of aulus there was a moment of silence the deep abyss yawned before lygia then the freedwoman added i ask because i am sorry for thee and because i am sorry for pomponia and for aulus and their son i have lived long enough in this house to know what the wrath of caesar means no thou must not flee from here there is but one recourse left for thee beg vinitius to return thee to pomponia but lygia fell on her knees to implore some one else ursus followed her example and they united in prayer in the house of caesar as the dawn broke through the windows actia for the first time witnessed such a prayer she could not avert her eyes from lygia who with profile turned towards her with outstretched hands and eyes raised towards the sky seemed there to seek for safety the morning rays touching her dark hair and white robe were reflected in her eyes in the glory of the dawn she seemed herself transformed by the light in her pale face in her parted lips in her uplifted hands and eyes shone a supernatural exaltation and then actia comprehended why lygia could not become the mistress of any man twas as if before the face of nero's former favorite was drawn aside the corner of a veil that concealed a world entirely different from the one she knew she was touched by that prayer offered up in the house of crime and corruption a moment before she had felt that there was no help for lygia now she began to believe that some unlooked-for thing would happen that aid would come so powerful that caesar himself could not resist it that a winged army would descend from heaven to rescue the maiden or that the sun would spread its rays under her and draw her up to itself she had heard of many miracles that had occurred among the christians and lygia's prayer somehow suggested that all the stories were true at length lygia arose with a face brightened by hope ursus rose also and sitting on the bench looked at his lady waiting for her to speak 
her eyes grew misty and two large tears rolled slowly down her cheeks may god bless pomponia and aulus said she i must not expose them to danger consequently i shall never see them again turning to ursus she told him that he alone was left her in the world that he take the place of a father a guardian and a protector they could not seek shelter in the house of aulus for he would thus be exposed to the wrath of caesar on the other hand she could not remain in the house either of caesar or of vinitius let ursus take her let him conduct her out of rome and hide her somewhere where she could not be found by vinitius or his slaves she would follow him everywhere even beyond the seas beyond the mountains to the barbarians where the name of rome was unheard and where the power of caesar did not reach let him take her and save her for beside him nobody was left to her the lygian in sign of his readiness and obedience knelt and embraced her feet disappointment was evident on the face of actia who had looked for a miracle was it possible that this was all that would come out of the prayer to escape from the house of caesar was to commit a crime against his majesty such a crime must be avenged even should lygia succeed in escaping caesar's wrath would fall on aulus and pomponia if lygia desired to escape let her escape from the house of vinitius then caesar who was averse to busying himself with the affairs of others might not wish to help vinitius in pursuing her in any case such a proceeding would not be a crime against the majesty of caesar lygia's thoughts were as follows aulus would not even know where she had gone pomponia would not know she would escape not from the house of vinitius but on the way to it under the influence of intoxication vinitius had told her that in the evening he would send his slaves for her undoubtedly he had told the truth which would not have escaped him had he been sober it was evident that he himself or perhaps petronius had spoken to caesar and had secured his promise to deliver her on the following evening if they forgot to send for her to-day they would send to-morrow but ursus would save her he would come and take her out of the litter as he had borne her from the banquet hall and together they would wander over the whole world ursus was invincible not even that terrible gladiator who yesterday had wrestled at the banquet hall was able to overcome him but as vinitius might send a number of slaves it would be better for ursus to go at once to bishop linus for aid and counsel the bishop undoubtedly would take compassion on her he would not abandon her to the mercy of vinitius he would send christians with ursus to rescue her and would conduct her to a place of safety then ursus would take her out of the city and hide her from the power of rome her face flushed and wreathed itself in smiles she was encouraged as if the hope of rescue had already turned into reality throwing herself on actea's neck and pressing her beautiful lips to the grecian's cheek she murmured thou wilt not betray me actea wilt thou by the shade of my mother answered the freedwoman i will not betray thee but pray to thy god that ursus may succeed in rescuing thee the blue eyes of the giant simple as a child grew bright with happiness he had not been able to form a definite plan though he had put all his simple mind to the task but he would follow such orders as were given to him whether by day or by night made no difference to him he would go to the bishop for the bishop reads in the sky what should and should not be done even without the bishop's aid he could summon a party of christians had he not plenty of acquaintances among slaves gladiators and free people both in the subura and beyond the mountains he could collect a thousand or two he would rescue his mistress and take her out of the city and abide with her they would go to the end of the world even to his native land where no one had ever heard of rome 
here he gazed into space as if looking into the far distant future and exclaimed to the forest ah what a forest what a forest but he shook his dreams from him yes he would go immediately to the bishop and in the evening he with a hundred followers would watch for the litter what difference if she be escorted by slaves or by praetorians better for no man to feel the weight of his fist even if clad in armor iron is not so strong should he strike the iron heavily death would enter the skull beneath but lygia raising her finger said with childlike earnestness ursus thou shalt not kill the giant put his huge fist to the back of his head and rubbing his neck with great seriousness began to mutter he must rescue the maiden she herself had said that it was now his turn he would do his best if anything should happen he would repent he would pray to the innocent lamb for pardon he would implore the mercy of the crucified lamb he did not wish to offend the lamb but who could tell his fists were so powerful infinite tenderness beamed from his face but wishing to conceal his emotion he knelt and said now i will go to the bishop actea embraced lygia and burst into tears again she comprehended that there was a world where even suffering allowed of more happiness than all the excesses and luxuries in the house of caesar once more a door revealing light had been opened but at the same time she felt that she was unworthy to cross the threshold and two tears glistened upon her drooping eyelids End of part one, chapter eight.